Welcome to the Skeptic Choir. This is the Skeptic Wire. You're listening to the Skeptic Wire. I'm your host, Gary Lawn. Yay. And with me today are Donna Swafford. Hello, everyone. And Greg Perrine. Greetings, listeners. It's episode 78 for the 4th of October, 2012. You're listening to NPR. What a pleasant day. It has been a pleasant day. No, I mean, just October 4th. It, it sounds, when coming out of the mouth over the palate, it just kind of... It's, it has rolls. a good sound to it. Yes, it rolls. Remember, remember the 4th of September. Never mind. I believe that's November. the 5th of November. Of November. Yeah. I believe you just fucked up the whole uh, NPR kind of uh, vein by that's saying right, something stupid. NPR always gets it right. Yes. But we're not NPR. We're not no, NPR! We're not NPR! No! We're going to peek these damn microphones and fuck your ears! <laughs> wow! <laughs> I would say that that Craig has a little bit of a aggression therapy to work through. No, not aggression, just a certain amount of Anger undiagnosed management? frustration. <laughs> oh, undiagnosed, <laughs> really? <laughs> Technically not diagnosed. No one's diagnosed me. You seem frustrated. Now it's diagnosed. You don't have a doctorate. <laughs> Donna? You don't have the right kind of doctorate. <laughs> Anthropologically speaking, <laughs> you need to get laid. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I always... It's either money or sex. Yeah. Yeah, well, once every ten years, it's pretty much my rate, so... You're like a Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be going through pun far soon. Um, yeah. Is that like Jamie Farr? Like Jamie Farr's daughter yeah, or something? Yeah, but if he's going to be dressing around in, in dresses, I really don't want to know about it. <laughs> All right, Glinger. Gotcha. Glitter. Klinger. Oh. The audience heard me. Yeah. Sure. Sure they did. Do you need some Q-tips, Gary? No. What? To clean out your ears so you can actually hear me? No, I understand the reference. <laughs> but you didn't hear me say Klinger. You heard me. No. So, uh, no, I heard, no, because he heard Klinger and he thinks stage five Klinger, like a the fat bridesmaid at the wedding sort of thing. No, I, was, I heard you. I heard you. I then then number nine. Number nine. Exactly. Number nine. Um, I heard you say glitter, not Klinger. I was not talking about that Mariah Carey movie. It's thank you. That was that was the reference. I was going to say that he, he's not talking about raping small boys in Thailand like Gary Glitter. <laughs> Well, he hasn't got to the pawn far thing yet, so who knows what's going to happen. Thailand, here he comes! And I was talking about Klinger, the character on MASH, not yes. Klinger, the, the little bit of poop that doesn't fall off and you have to really wipe it off. And That's what she was talking about with her reference. No. Stage five? A stage five Klinger is the unattractive bridesmaid at a uh, wedding. That's a stage five Klinger. Oh. I see. I miss... Heard. No, I heard it. <laughs> um, had a different interpretation. So anyway, 
It is the 4th of October 2012, episode 78 of the Skeptic Wire. Oh. I think we've already introduced ourselves. I'm Gary Lawn, Donald Swafford, Greg Perrine. Hello! Hello! <laughs> what we got going on today? <laughs> Not a lot, apparently, because we're just kind of rambling for a while, but we do have a birthday today. Yay! Birthdays, birthdays. <laughs> happy, happy birthdays, birthdays, birthdays. Kill! All right, I'm going to turn down Gary's mic just to... Just hair. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just rub it in. Oh, I'm just going to turn it down. A hair. All right. Well, that's a whole <laughs> lot of bitterness. <laughs> Birthdays, then. All right. October 4th. That's today. 1562. 1562. That was a long, long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. No. He was Danish. Oh. So he's probably... Cheese or apple? Oh, human Danish. So the Soylent Green Danish. Nice. Uh, let me guess. Is James Usher? Nope. Oh. Okay. I think that may have been before the 16th century anyway. All right. The person's name is Christian Sorensen Longomatimus. Longomatimus or Logomatimus? Longomontanus. <laughs> He did that on purpose. <laughs> Longo Montanus. Okay. Um, don't know. He's got no. the the picture on Wikipedia has one of those ruffled collar things. If that really helps. from the 16th century. Yeah. Shocking. I know. <laughs> Does he also have little poofy arm things? Yes. Uh, a pointed beard with the, oh. the mustache that kind of curls up. Awesome. But, yeah. And he's Danish, not Spanish. Yeah. It must have been all the range, the rage at that time. Uh, so, clue, more clue. He uh, was a scientist. <laughs> he was an astronomer. Okay. Uh, he worked um, mostly with uh, Tycho Brahe ah. as kind of not exactly an apprentice, but someone who continued his work after he passed away and kind of perfected his ideas. Essentially, what he's he's most he's not a very well known astronomer, but mostly he's known for um, like I said, continuing Brahe's ideas of geoheliocentrism. Centris- nah. Geoheliocentrism. Okay. Which I, I didn't know this was a thing. Um, I know about geocentrism, yeah. geocentrism and heliocentrism. Right. Front and centricism. <laughs> Yes. Have you been centricized? <laughs> As a baby, yes. Even though I'm not Jewish. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, geocentrism is saying that the Earth is the center of the universe and the center of the solar system. Yep. Heliocentrism, centrism. Says the sun a, is at the center of the universe. You're such a centrist. Yes. <laughs> Heliocentrism says the sun is at the center of the solar system and the universe, but also at least just the solar system. Wait, wait, and geocentrism says that there's a point in between the sun and the earth, and everything spins around that. Kind of. The uh, what? Apparently it was the idea that the sun and the moon go around the earth, but all the other planets and the celestial sphere outside of that hmm. orbit 
all of that, those three objects together. It was it was a weird kind of compromise. It is. But they they didn't know. Did they did they have Mercury and Venus? They were doing. Uh, they had Venus, so they, they knew about they, Venus. But did they know about think, Mercury? Think they knew Mercury. I honestly can't mm. remember. Um, I I know that they were doing very good about. Um, at least, you know, things were starting to be telescopy, but mostly it was naked eye observations. Okay. They had, they had really good, they, they were doing really well at measuring the movement of the planets and yeah. the movement of comets and stuff like that. They I were think just they making those kind of um, geocentric kind of adaptions to try to um, fit the idea of everything going around the Earth against the mathematics. You know, the, the idea of you know, they would put in this regression where, for some reason, the planet would appear to go backwards for a few days and then go back forwards again, because it had they 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 couldn't account for the fact that it was doing that in their observations. Right. So geoheliocentrism was kind of a compromise between the two. Um, partially, it was a way so you could talk about something that wasn't geocentric with still getting being okay with the church. But also it was a way of, well, this the math doesn't, and our observations don't seem to really make sense, so we need to adapt this geocentric design into some other thing. But, obviously, they weren't really going fully on what the observations told them, because um, there are other things of Brahe's that, um, that um, Lung and Madanus thought was true, in that... Tycho Brahe didn't always account for atmospheric refraction when he was making his measurements. Mm -hmm. He would do it some points on the atmosphere, but not all the points for some reason. Um, And there are things like um, uh, Longomotinus thought that um, comets were a messenger of evil, and he... Typical kind of for the time. He thought that he had proved that he could square the circle, um, and... And, you know, people were trying to point it out to him, showing, this is not true. Look, here, it's wrong. And he just wouldn't believe them. Yeah. So, you know, some good science of the day, he was making observations and careful measurements and stuff like that and trying to explain the world, but kind of a dumbass. <laughs> well, uh, and, which is ironic considering his, his theory. Yeah, kind of a dumbass, which is kind of funny in that his name ends with anus. Right. Uh, and just just to be clear, uh, Mercury is uh, visible to the naked eye, so you don't need a telescope to see it. So they right. did know about it, but it wasn't until Galileo came up with this geocentric that he he said this is a planet, because it obviously the geocentrism, the he- heliocentrism, <laughs> the heliocentrism uh, made everything fall into place or allowed everything to fall into place easily. Yeah, especially so the Mercury retrograde thing. A planet. Yes. So there you go. Yeah. So you learn something. Well, yeah. you learn some some things. Christian Sorensen Longomatinus, born October fourth, fifteen sixty-two, died October eighth, sixteen forty-seven. Yeah. Actually, come to think of it, though, he was born in fifteen sixty-two, which is after Galileo did his deal. But that was yeah. There was well. there, there. I mean, there were plenty of people who who believed the kind of Copernicus idea of well. You know, yep. the sun is the center and all that. Well, I say? Galileo? Damn it, it's Copernicus, not Galileo. Yeah. Galileo saw it in the fucking telescope. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, right. There was, there was debate at the time that this astronomer was around, but there were people on both sides. 
it hadn't been scientifically consented. Yeah. Speaking about consent, no, we're not going to go that. <laughs> and cool. honorable mention for birthdays today is um, today would have been the birthday of Sputnik, technically, because it was launched on October 4th, 50 oh. years ago. And it lasted for a couple of months and it died. So it had a fairly long life for a satellite. <laughs> for a dinky little satellite that looks like a basketball with an yeah, antenna. Being the first one. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was proof of concept, so... Yeah. Kind of like a baby is a proof of concept. Proof is just... Baby is just proof of sex. Yeah, pretty much. Which is a concept. No. Not a reality to me, but it's a concept. (laughs) (laughs) Something to strive for. (laughs) It's something I've read about on the internet. Read about. Yeah, in the darkest corners of the internet. It's really hard to find. So you read your porn, do you? (laughs) (laughs) On the internet. Well, you know, There's he is nothing, an intellectual. There is nothing wrong with reading erotica. A lot of people enjoy that. Fine. What's the I matter? just wish it would... Don't be so sex negative, Gary. I'm not being sex negative. I'm just, no, I'm, he's I'm, just I'm, being... I'm, he's, oh, being oh, he's saying he's literary. not being sex negative by saying, I'm not sex negative. That's being negative. No, I'm no, saying you're lying. <laughs> what he's saying is, is that he wishes erotica was actually, I don't know... In my house. Better written... That's my issue with it. It's just, if the same eight words for the same two pieces of genitalia, and how many ways can you describe the word thrust? Thrusty, thrust on, (laughs) thrust do, pushed. (laughs) I don't know. Pull up thesaurus. Wiggled. (laughs) Get 50 fucking shades of gray. Which Which apparently is actually bad BDSM. There, there are a lot of people in the BDS community who, uh, BDSM community, who don't like it because it's it's very, from what I understand, I haven't read it, the story is very non-consensual in its BDSM. They don't have discussions about what they should do first. They don't discuss, like, safe words and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's it's actually not... It's, it's like, hard to say with the ball it's, in your it's mouth. It's like saying that... You, <laughs> It's like saying that Newt Gingrich was in an open relationship. No, he was cheating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm exactly. sure the one Don't who be sex became name. the wife thought it was an open relationship. It's just the other, the first wife or second wife or whichever wife she was who wasn't informed of the open relationship. I think both sick wives weren't in, informed of the relationship. Yeah. But that's getting onto politics. And yep. Are we going to talk about politics? Well, we can talk mm-hmm. tangentially about politics. Tangentially. Is that like longitudinally? No, because I pronounced it. So we're not going to be uh, politico-centrist? It's not going to be a uh, polycentrism kind of discussion? <laughs> no, because I would probably pronounce it polycentrismismismism. Polycentrism? <laughs> You sent jism to who? I, Polly, apparently. <laughs> no, that Polly girl really gets around. Let me tell you, man. I'm turned on by... Polly? Uh, uh, birds. All right, speaking of things that birds. people get turned on by, uh, the presidential debate was last night. <laughs> Did either no, of no, you no, watch no. it? Yep. No. I was, I was all rubbing, uh, rubbing butter all over myself last night. <laughs> And that was in the restaurant. That was kind of creepy. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah. There's a Chinese restaurant, too. <laughs> I don't think they're going to invite us back. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. you, you do what you have to do to get turned on by politics. <laughs> yes. So um, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney uh, had their little fun debate last night, and we were out doing a skeptical meetup, so we didn't really watch most of it. But you know, I right. caught little bits here and there, and of course there were ten thousand meme photographs getting passed around today. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't like when we went to a bar to watch the, uh, the Curiosity Land. Yeah. Yeah. That was still awesome. No, we went to the restaurant to avoid the politics. <laughs> um, but so so we didn't catch all those details because, you know, sometimes even though we pay attention to these kind of things, we just have to get some distance, otherwise we'd go crazy. Yeah. One of the things go crazy. And Shut up. And, it, and it's really not like either one of them is going to say something that will just make us go Oh. oh, compared to what they've been saying for the last year. Right. So, And if they do say anything spectacular, you're going to hear about it for yeah. about a week or yeah. two, constantly, and we did. on every channel. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're what talking it, about talking. So I was, it was, I was saying how frustrating politics can be. One of the most frustrating things when listening to a politician is how they... Politics is never frustrating when you're covered in butter. <laughs> All right, we have another T-shirt. Butter your butt and stick it out the window. <laughs> I'm so Facebooking that right now. Butter your butt and stick it out the window. Yeah. Are you sticking your butt that is covered in butter out the window, or rubbing your butt with butter and then what remains of the stick of butter is what you're sticking out the window? Uh, I always imagine as the butt covered in butter being stuck out the window. Okay, and and what is accomplished by that? And well, you have a butt covered in butter sticking out the window. Is it like a house window or a car window? Car window. Okay. Could so be a house window, but you probably you you kind of want to do a drive by. Okay. You don't really so it's more kind of to piss off the squares kind of thing. Sure. Right. Yep. Like the politicians. Or the guy who tried <laughs> to square the circle. Exactly. Longo Muttonus. Yes. Muttonus. Longo Muttonus. Yes. Not, not mutton. <laughs> yes. Okay. There's uh, lots of O's in there. Anyway, let's get back on track. Yes. I am sorry. I, I distracted everybody. That's all right. So, one of the most frustrating things about listening to politicians is when they're asked a question and then they dodge answer it. something else. They yeah, dodge they it. Dodge the question. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, you're asked a question about... Um, education? Education. And then somehow that turns into whatever the politician wanted to say about illegal immigration. Chlorine in the water supply. And somehow they're talking about, you know, we need more parks in the city. Right, <laughs> the economy and yeah. turning it into an education right. issue. Yeah. So why don't you the- cheat on your wives? You know, that's a good question about the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good example. All of those are good examples. Because that happens a lot where, you know, they want to talk talk about their policies, what makes them look good or whatever. And some questions they flat out do not want to answer ever. Like Mitt Romney, how are you going to balance the budget? Okay, no. 
Kill Big Bird, apparently. <laughs> right. Yes, apparently that's all. Point zero one two percent of yeah. that of the budget. Yeah, there was the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson quote on exactly. that one, which is a fun meme. Go look it yeah, up, people. Like I've seen it like ten thousand times yep. today. <laughs> so uh, this behavioral psychologist Todd Rogers from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government decided that this was what was so frustrating to him was this dodging of questions thing. And he kind of wondered he wondered why it worked. Why why politicians continued to do it despite the fact that it frustrates the hell out of us. Um, because they're not called on it. That's why it works. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> first of all, let me describe how he did a study where he, he took a politician's answer essentially. He, he, there was a healthcare question and then there was a healthcare answer. So the question and the answer match. Right. He took the same exact answer about healthcare and paired it with a question about illegal drugs, which you can kind of see the connection there in that drugs affect one's health, and you could possibly pivot from one to the other, which is what a lot of politicians do. Yeah. So he took that was a second condition and then a third condition where he paired the same exact healthcare question with a question about terrorism which is even further afield from the idea of healthcare cuz drugs and healthcare you can kind of you know you're taking something in which affects your health you know you might have to go to the emergency room you got to talk about healthcare well if you're a victim of terrorism you might have to go to the emergency room right so but i mean you could kind of see it but it's definitely it's out of left field yeah. So he, he presented these three possibilities to different subjects and then asked them, can you remember what the question that was asked? And also, this: how honest, likable, or trustworthy did you find this politician? And what he found was that if the, obviously, if they were, the, the kind of healthcare question and healthcare answer was kind of the control. One would hope. Yes. <laughs> and so they, when the, the the healthcare question was paired with the illegal drug question, uh, the healthcare answer was paired with the illegal drug right. question. Um, they found that they couldn't. The the subjects were less likely to remember what the original question was, ah. but they still felt that the politician was likable and trustworthy. They didn't they didn't penalize the person for not answering the question directly. But when um, the politician answered a completely out of left field answer which was the terrorism linked to healthcare answer they just thought the person was a jerk they they could tell that that divide between the question and answer and it es- essentially got their attention where the slight pivot did not right the slight dodge of going drugs to to um, healthcare did not get their attention quite as much Sure, that makes perfect sense. So it, it's 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 it, not as jarring, or yeah. rather, it's more jarring when when you so so really kind of comes back to the idea that politicians do this because they realize that if they do it subtly enough, they can still answer what they want. They're not going to be penalized. They're not going to be you know seen as being out of touch or not answering the question right. as long as they're kind of close. It's it's only when they're just wildly incorrect that they get they get tapped by it because we only have so much attention to pay attention to these um, right. debates. I mean, the three of us didn't t- pay attention at all because yeah. we didn't it's watch an the damn hour thing. and a half of people dodging questions. Yeah, right. And it, but I mean, it's it's the case of you know, 
Okay, so you have the healthcare question. You have the healthcare question, and then you know if you're if you move it towards you know illegal drug use or education or something, you can make that. But if you're suddenly going, well, how about them Dodgers? Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of obvious that you're avoiding. <laughs> it it seems the the conclusion they were coming to is that most of these debates you're paying attention more to the style, and you're evaluating them socially. Mm-hmm. Kind of the popularity contest side of it of would you like to have a beer with this guy? That's right. mostly what you're doing when you're watching a debate, not necessarily looking for the details and the facts. You want to you want most people. How the study was done seems to think seems to show that. Support. Support that humans are looking for the story, the overarching story told during the debate, not the which fact and figure did the person quote. So okay. when someone asks answers a question that's completely out of left field, that jars that limited attention you have, which you're paying mostly attention to. Do I like the guy or girl? And and you know it, it just breaks you out entirely and and it kind of it's kind of like when you're watching a movie and there's this weird um technical error like you see a mic in the shot or you see a camera in a mirror or something you know not one of your movies donna because i know you take care of that but maybe a you know a bad youtube video or something or the thing that always gets me is there's this one sound effect that was used in all three star wars movies originally and is used a lot in movies. It's the scream. Right, but it's actually before Star Wars. Right. It, yeah. it, the first time the I ne- the first time scream. I ever noticed it was the Star Wars films. Ah. So every time after that, especially when the the prequels came out, yeah. You know, me and my roommate were big Star Wars fans. We went to the premiere together and we were watching the movie and when that scream sound effect was used again because it was used in all six movies. Sure. We turned to each other and it was like <gasps> They did it. They used it again, and it's one of those things that brings me out of a movie whenever I hear it. Ah, so well, then don't watch Indiana Jones. Uh, exactly. Basically, any Anything. film, any action films. Yeah. It's kind of this. Ah! Yeah, it's it's an homage. Yeah. So those kind of things when you're watching a debate that are just completely out of left field, it's it's kind of it kind of makes reminds me of the McCain debate four years ago where when he was walking in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. That brought you out of it. It's like, what the hell is this guy doing? What is he thinking? You weren't paying attention to what Obama was saying. You were watching this guy walking in front of the camera. And you thought, that's weird. And just so everyone knows, the Wilhelm screen is not, ah, it's, ah! Yeah. Get it right! sorry. In fact, I'll probably have have a copy of it. I'll have to put it in. I'm sure yeah. I can find it. Gosh, I, oh, where will I be able to find a copy of the Wilhelm scream? I, I didn't know one. its name. Huh? I have one. I'm sure I can find it on the line. <laughs> I'll just email it to you. Okay. Yay! So, so I mean, I'll, so this is something we know about <laughs> We're human nature. You, Mark. We, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> We've got off tangent. I'm used to. Well, we were talking about filming, and then we... Okay, go ahead. No, it makes perfect sense. Um... So we, we know this about human nature, that people have this limited attention, we're trying to looking for the story, we're not paying attention to the actual questions if we're in our natural state. So that this allows us to better figure out how to... When we're naked? <laughs> Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. Cheetos? Yeah, Cheetos aren't really natural. Butter is, though. <laughs> <laughs> and adamandeve.com 
I okay. <laughs> Today, oh, yeah, so the, so the butter makes the Cheetos stick to your butt better. Is yes. that why you apply butter yes. to your butt? I, I have nothing to do with Cheetos. Okay. I'm all about the butter. That's a Donna thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Donna's got Donna's got the Cheetos. She's got her orange food group going on when she's naked. <laughs> <laughs> By natural state, I meant when we're just sitting there watching a debate with naked. no other. <laughs> Spider or Cheetos. I'm, this is an unfortunate word choice, but it's the only thing I can think of in your natural state when you're watching a debate with no other stimuli. No butter? <laughs> no, no Cheetos? No butter. No butter, no Cheetos. Oh. Beer? Just a dog with some peanut butter. <laughs> hey, hey, now hey. we've all now everybody's got the thing okay, okay. good <laughs> so this allows us to think how can we short circuit that not paying attention to the question thing so there are things like well there's always calls for for the moderators to chime in and say you didn't answer the question and try to force things but there's also just things for the audience at home where you print the text of the question at the bottom of the screen. Ah. So when Obama is answering, answering a question about uh, immigration with an education answer, you think, wait a minute, he was asked about immigration. It says there, what do you think about illegal immigration? Oh, that would be so great if they would do that. But of course they won't. They won't. It's, I mean, it's just like having a buzzer. Yeah. The, the, the other meme going around, the buzzer, and I don't know. You know what they need? They need a button, so if they don't answer the question, they fall into a pit of despair. <laughs> with rodents of unusual size? There no, with the audience, because they're in a pit of despair listening to the damn debate. There we go. Yeah, they have to be in the audience, have to listen to themselves speak. <laughs> but then you wouldn't be a politician if you didn't like hearing yourself speak. Yeah. So one assumes. think of other ways we could try to kind of short-circuit this attention gap thing I, the best thing you can do poison i think darts. is exactly put the question up on the screen yeah what was your poison dart poison darts <laughs> yeah <laughs> audience random audience members with blow guns <laughs> i'm just I, I, saying it would and work. purely purely bipartisan though because otherwise you get the tea party and then they're just gonna kill everybody yeah well, I, I, for some reason, I imagine going to, we we take these two suggestions, put the text of the questions on the screen, give the audience poison darts. It's like bringing two options to your manager. One of them is a piece of shit option that you don't want the manager to choose, so that they'll choose what you want them to choose. That's what I imagine with those two Assuming ideas. Assuming that they have that capability to choose between. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, this pile of shit looks tasty. <laughs> You sure don't want the donut? Cutting down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be a qualification for being in management that you have to prefer piles of shit. Well, the last thing I'll I'll say on this study, which was essentially three neutral questions by... I don't know how they... I I, I don't know if they... um, If they gave... It was a text answer or if it was a video or whatever... But I think would be interesting with the study to to go more further into the detail is start asking the people who are are looking at these debate answers use the same answer question uh, question answer pair, pairs that were used in the study, but ask the people their political affiliation mm. and then give basically mix and match them with different uh, test conditions to say what the political affiliation of the answerer is. 
So you would have a Republican, someone who identifies as strongly Republican, if you say this is a Republican person, I would guess, and, and the same thing for Democrat-Democrat, they're going to be more forgiving of a pivot question. Sure. But, sure, but I and, mean, and less forgiving if it's a mismatched uh, political affiliation, yeah. which you see a lot on Facebook now. You know, you see yeah. people who are like, you know, uh, you know, people who I know who volunteer for, say, the Obama offices or political offices in other parts of the country, who essentially are saying, you know, d- you know, Obama did wonderful. I think he won the debate. Where. <laughs> You know, okay. A lot of the talking heads on TV are saying, "Well, Mitt Romney kind of, you know, he he came out strong, but he was wrong in the details. And Obama was kind of soft, but he was professorial. It's like it was kind of a mixed bag there. But if the Republicans that thought Mitt won hands down, the Democrats thought that Obama won hands down. So that kind of would affect. But again, but again, it doesn't matter what the hard Republicans and the hard Democrats think because you're not going to change their minds. What matters is. The people who are kind of on the fence, who aren't really sure, those are the people that you really in the real out. world, yes. But it'd be interesting psychologically to see sure. how strong that effect is, just to find out, you know, see how people, you know, craft these answers. If you'd be more likely to overcome problems with cross-party questions and answers, and dodging a question, hmm. if you're dealing with an audience that is mostly hostile to you. Do you avoid pivoting? Do you need to know? Do you need to avoid pivoting, or can you still pivot some? Or well, do you I mean, say I, screw I'm it? Sure, I'm, I'm sure yeah. they're going to find out. Well, actually, this is a, this is a pretty bad campaign to do uh, to do that kind of analysis on because yeah. uh, unfortunately, Mitt Romney is coming from such so far behind because of all of the gas and the problems that he's had with both of his running mate and his himself mm-hmm. right at least in the view of the the middle and and the, the left right again the far right well i'm not talking about doing real world stuff i'm talking about I doing am. more studies like no this. i know yeah. but but you can study how i mean that's what they're doing is they're they're bringing along so you know if, if romney wins they're going to learn something I, no matter who wins, we're going to learn something. No, Obama wins. We're not going to learn anything. No, I, I, I think the one thing we would learn <laughs> is how honest, especially some radio personalities would be. Because I posted a, an article to the Facebook page today about JetBlue I, uh, is offering, I think it's like fifteen hundred one-way tickets that you can if if you go to their JetBlue website or something and you say who you're voting for now. Yeah. If the person lo- if the person loses, you can be entered in a drawing to win a one way ticket out of the country. Right. Which so is- kind of like, hey, you know, if you say you're going to leave the country be- if if Obama or Romney wins, then okay, put your money where your mouth See, is. See, now that is also an interesting uh, social study because you can see, I think, more people are going to put down who they think is going to lose. <laughs> so even if you're you are an Obama supporter, your best if you think Obama's going to win, your best bet is to go for the person that you think is going to lose. So you're going to think that Romney is going to lose. Now, if you're a Republican and from all indications it looks like Romney is going to lose, you put down Romney, right? Even though you're going <laughs> to you know 
Yeah. Or, or rather, oh, yeah. Anyway, you know what I said. Yeah, people might try to gain the system sure, just to get I a free would. flight, but I Actually, think it's, I, I think it's one way. No, no, it's two way. Oh, it's it's round trip. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I read that. Okay. <laughs> I didn't read it. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Anyway. So I, that's I, rather interesting. Yeah, a, a fascinating. You know, I, I I love the idea of yeah how people will generally react react in these kind of situations. More of the more of the social psychology type of questions, like how do mobs react, which is essentially this kind of study, as opposed to um, um, the term is escaping me at the moment, but um, uh, un. Pe- the, the psychology of people who have is mental it disorders. Slipping, slipping outside of your mind? Yes, just Covered like in butter? peanut butter and a dog. Um, what? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. That's why I said it. Um, abnormal psychology. Uh, you know, people who have, you know, disorders or conditions or whatever. I'm more interested in how more the average people will act because that's more interesting to me. And this was social psychology, and, and I'm gonna I'm kind of rambling, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but speaking about psychology, there was also a paper in Playboy. No. Nature. Nature, but a New York Times. I was close. New York Times had had a, an article that linked to a Nature paper. Well, Nature. Let me back Does up. Does it really matter where it's published? <laughs> oh, I mean, we're gonna. As long as it's not the Daily Mail? Right. Okay. Um, The New York Times had an article talking about uh, retracted papers and fraud. Uh, And we're talking about retracted scientific papers, not just your general papers that you might turn in, you know, in high school. Not like, oh, I wrote a phone number on this piece of paper, and I'm going to retract it and put it in the recycle bin. Yeah. So so, uh, there have been... A couple of studies on how papers have been treated by uh, peer-reviewed pa- uh, the peer review uh, process. peer reviewed process and the journals in which they're printed, and it appears that a lot of papers, once they're printed, aren't often taken, retracted, retracted yeah. taken down again. Um, and that's one of the things that they were talking about. But what they did, what the study was showing, is that a good majority of the the uh, retracted papers were taken out because of misconduct or fraud. Right. So, it's, like, people played fast and loose with the statistics, made up data. Yeah. <laughs> Wayfield. Um Yes. Or like that GMO study that we were talking about last week. Exactly. That, you know, there's just, they made stuff up and, and crafted studies so that they would get the answer they wanted rather than trying to be honest with their controls and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. And what, what they showed is that in the in the past uh, decade, there was, there's been a tenfold increase in the number of retractions. And what's great about this particular uh, article, at least the one from Nature and the, the people who did that, is uh, it was done by uh, Dr. Arturo Casadevall and Dr. Farrick Farrick Fang. Fang. I just like the name. That's appropriate for October. <laughs> um, so one of the one of the 
reasons that they thought that they're detecting all of this is they, they said they're talking about plagiarism detection software was helping, but I really don't see how that helps because that's not okay. That's sort of, that's misconduct, right? But it doesn't detect whether the data's right, and that's what the peer review process is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be right. Oh, I think that it, they're trying to solve a twofold problem with a two-pronged solution. There are certain professors who have been known to uh, to plagiarize. I mean, there's there's been some pretty significant cases of plagiarism that have been discovered. Um, I know Jared Diamond was accused of it. I don't know if he was ever found out. Um, and Jared Diamond is whom? He's the guy who wrote um, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Um, uh, the guy, Churchill, the guy out of um, University of Colorado, came under fire for the um, 9/11 wives thing, where he basically said that we deserved 9/11. Ah, um, right. He's been accused of, of plagiarism and all this. So you do have that issue. In addition, that's an easy one to find out. That's an easy one to discover. That really is bad research, though. And, and this is why we need the peer review process. Right. It's, it sounds like with the scientific stuff, it's a combination of researchers being pressured to publish or perish. Yes. So they're kind of, well, the study didn't come out the way I hoped it would, so I'm just going to massage things a little so I can at least get published and, that's and keep my the, tenure or get my things, tenure. Yeah. Yeah. And a combination, uh, and the other side also, I was in a relationship for a while with someone who... Um, Worked in a journal. It was a literary journal for a college, but it was it was it was a journal journal, and it's supposed to be peer reviewed and all that. Well, as opposed to the as Daily Mail, as opposed to a yeah. peer reviewed journal. Yeah, you know, Scientific American is not a peer reviewed publication. It's just a news source. But it uh, so is Nature and all that. They're not. They're, they are not peer reviewed, but they frequently take from peer reviewed okay. articles. That's right. That's 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 what they I mean. report science. They don't right make generate science. it. Gen- yeah, they're not the sources. They report on it anyway. Right. So a lot of the times, y- you would get these really really bad articles that would come through. And, you know, the person I was in the relationship with, they're like, oh, this is a horrible article. And the editor just accepted it because he's friends with the person <laughs> yeah, who wrote sure, it. Yeah, sure, that happens all the time. And then sent it out to be peer-reviewed, and the person sent it about, back without any comments. So technically it was reviewed, no. but it wasn't thoroughly reviewed. And, you know, with things like um, literary analysis, that's hard enough. But without all the raw data, you're just reading someone's synopsis. Mm-hmm. You know, even even just you know, even as detailed as papers can be, they don't have all the data and everything in there. So it can be. I would imagine it would be pretty hard to truly peer review every single little detail and do the statistics over again, which is what peer review should do. Right. Well, I think I, I don't know how much of that is done in the scientific community, but it seems like that may be where part of the stuff is falling through the cracks. Yeah. Well, I mean the. the one of the problems with peer review is, obviously, you're asking your peers to review what you've done, but your peers are also doing science. Right. It, there's The other side of that is is that you, you're not given the time to yeah. replicate. Yeah. It, that is a tremendous amount of time, money, and manpower. It's just, it is not You're possible. not getting paid for it. 
Right. You're not. You, Any time that you are reviewing an article, it, it, that doesn't. It's it's crap. It doesn't matter for shit. Well. Um. But so. You get this article, and I mean, having been in the academic world for as long as I was, literally, you get the article, you you read at it, unless there is a glowing error, because I'm willing to bet the person with the doctorate is not the one who's actually reading it. That may be a problem, too. (laughs) He's got RAs that that he's tossing it over, and they're reviewing it as part of a grade, part of a class, part of a job. And saying, and in, they're not finding an obvious error in it. They're like, yeah, it looks good. He rev- he he looks it over for maybe an hour and then moves on. Right. Yeah, you're just looking it, at you're looking at the the math, and eh, it looks okay as long as there's right. no glaring. But I mean, but you don't have access to the right. raw data, so you don't you right. have time there's to do anything about no it. No raw data, and in a, like in many cases for I know anthropology. Especially when you're you're talking about like archaeological studies, there is no way to recreate that. True. There is absolutely none. So you are saying it it fits the model that we it works. Yeah. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom, go. Yeah. The- now, if you've got somebody who's saying. Mm-hmm. Oh look, I found a 747 built by the Mayans. Everybody's <laughs> going to be going. No, <laughs> probably not. Well, it seemed like like last week we talked about the GMO study that was done in France that was you know cancer found in rats who ate food that was either resistant to Roundup or covered in Roundup to various different doses, and a lot of the people who have read it since it's been published have torn it apart. Yep, they've done a critical read of it and said this is utter crap. And usually their response is, "How the hell did this get through peer, peer review?" Yeah. So easily, it, it it seems like there's enough in a lot of these articles that you could truly do a no. This is not worth publishing. Right. To yeah. it, but it's not getting done. Right. But Besides it, the fact that people are just making up data left and right. Well, look at how long it took for the Wakefield study to be retracted. Look at how long it took. Yeah. And the and the problem then, which with the Wakefield study and as well as this GMO study, um, is that even though they get retracted, like the the Wakefield study is eventually retracted, they're still being cited. They're still being yeah. cited as a source. So all of that's out there, and that's that's what I was also saying last week about the GMO study is they're. They're out there now, so it's in the public consciousness. So, so people can start just putting it, you know, regardless of what the paper is, you can start filling up your footnotes and your endnotes right. with with the citation it's, and it's making bad it enough look. People posting it on Facebook yeah. when you yeah. have people in scientific papers saying, you know, I'm making the statement about genetically modified crops. Look, I have 20 bibliography entries for this one fact. Most people don't read those all other way. papers right. to say, oh, those so are all crap. Right. And it's the other part of that is is that the citation might be contrary to what Dr. Andrew Wakefield said. Blah, 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 blah. Right. He, that paper then still has to be cited. Right. And, and then the other thing is about retraction is there's sort of a stigma attached to it and that the 
all of the papers you hear about being retracted are usually because of massive fraud or horrible misconduct. So if you retract a paper from a peer-reviewed uh, from the peer review process or from being published or, or whatever, it, it gives that little haze of why was it retracted. And there, uh, th- there isn't a good way for people to look up why it might be retracted. Because it might be retracted mm-hmm. because, say, in one case in, in the Nature um, article, uh, one of the guys said, yeah, I, I made a math error. And so I retracted the paper until I could fix all of that. And it was a major, major right. math error in, in one of the fundamental uh, uh Forgot math. to carry the two. Yeah, something like that. And so he retracted it. And it took, and that was four months after it had been published. Right. Well, papers are usually retracted if the, I mean, you have obviously retracted by the journal, retracted by basically peer review, and retracted by the author. Yeah. Honestly, if it's retracted by the author, that's the guy owning up and saying, hey, I made a mistake, let me fix this. Sure. If it's retracted through the peer review process, it's a huge deal. Because you're not only saying, dude, you fucked it up, and you fucked it up big, and you're trying to slide one past us, you've also slid it past the journal. Because it, there's that, that belief that the journal has vetted it first. Yeah. And exactly. The other side of that is is that if they put out these things calling saying we want papers on you know um, the Mayan princess of da 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 da. So you'll get these contracting conflicting papers and that's what they're looking they want those papers yeah. because they want to generate a little bit of controversy because bump it up. Sure. Or, or you get things like the the journal I was talking about, the literary journal. They would say, you know, okay, we've had, a, we we haven't had anything about anything in the 18th century for three issues, so we just got to pick something from the 18th century to, to give some balance to our journal. Yep. And then, well, there's the only one article they could find. It's not that great, but they publish it anyway, just to get some balance to their to their journal to say, well, we publish all these different errors. Yeah. And the same thing can be true of science. Yeah. That, oh, we haven't printed something about microbiology for a while, and the only one that got public, you know, sent to them in the last year was from some dumbass who made up data. Yeah. So uh, one of the, uh, another part of this is how many, how many papers are actually uh, submitted and printed each year. Uh, in a Nature article, they said in one week there were 27,000 Submissions of papers. Uh, 200 of those were flagged as maybe being bad, and five or six were retracted. Okay, so in early 2000, there were only 30 retractions uh, that they found, and in 2011, there were 400 that were going to be uh, on the chopping block to be retracted. Right. So you see that there's been an increase and the number they're being retracted. Now, the question, of course, is you don't know why they're being retracted. Second of all, there's more people uh, writing papers, so it could just be this huge increase in papers, and so the percentage may not be actually as bad. It looks bad. Oh, my God, it went from 30 to 400 in right. in a decade. But maybe the submissions went from 
you know, 200,000 to 2 million or whatever. Yeah. Well, 27,000, maybe they're getting 50 to 80,000, you know, or even 100,000 a week. I don't know. Probably not. That's part of the problem with saying it was a tenfold increase in problems. It's like, well, no, how is the percentage of. Right, and that was that was actually kind of the problem I had with the New York Times is they kind of spun it a little bit to say, oh well, half of them were because of fraud. Right. Oh wait, wait a minute. Half of one percent is not a lot. Yeah. Or whatever percentage it really is. But but that was actually one of the 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 funnier things about that the uh, New York Times article is they made this big deal about the fraud and the hundred and twelve. 1,908 papers had published corrections in, like, this decade right. uh, that they that they did the study. And what's funny about that is... Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Just a little bit later, the New York Times had to make a correction on their own article. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like... And so, writing a paper is hard. Right. Like, when everything has to be right. So, putting out corrections, not a big deal. You know, the problem is, of course... Is if you put out a correction, does that does that go with the original original article? So people aren't citing this paper with with the incorrect data or the incorrect math, and then using that and just kind of snowballing the problem. Or is it obvious that oh there was a correction for this, right? I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. But I think it's kind of like you know, the newspaper. You mm-hmm. know, on page two, they'll have, oh, we made a mistake. Uh, you well, know, the, the person phys- isn't dead. The physical copies of a journal, you're going to have the original article from two years ago, yeah, yeah. and then the correction in this year's, you know, quarterly installment or something like that. Right. But most online, of those are online. You could, you could link them, yeah. and there's also a lot of journals that'll have maybe twenty articles posted. You know published in the physical copy for one quarter, but they publish 50, Online. you know, those yeah. 20 plus 30 on their internet. Yeah, exactly. So those at least may be a little better to, to link somehow, which is the advantage of technology. Yay, yep. technology. So it was a quite yeah. an interesting article, it, it's, I thought. It's, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that it's bad enough that the layperson, when they think about science, they hear about all these different studies being done all the time of... Oh, you know, vitamin C cures the common cold, and no, it really doesn't. No, it doesn't. Wait a minute. Someone said it was vitamin D. Right. There, there, there are claims of both. I've never heard vitamin D. Yeah. Well, anyway, the point being that for a long time in the common vernacular, there was this idea that vitamin C cures the common cold. And then they've right. actually done studies, and they've retracted that, and things go back and forth. Like, are eggs sure. good for you? Are they good? Are they bad? Are they good? Are they bad? It constantly, it appears to flip flop to the layperson. It's like, sure. well, science, you should just know. This idea of having to const- now these much more publicized retractions. The, you know, if the GMO thing gets retracted, the Wakefield problem, and all these kind of big, high-profile retractions adds another stigma to science that makes the layperson say, well, I can't trust any of it. I'm just going to read my Bible. Don't generalize that much. Koran? Huh? Koran? Well, no, you said the layperson. Yeah. Uh, 
the, the person you, you're implying that all lay people can't can't deal with the fact that science changes. No, I'm saying that. No, it's just Republican strategy. No, it's not. It's not Republican. It's not. Dem- it's you know there are plenty of people who are who are liberal who don't follow science very closely. Obviously, you didn't very watch highly that YouTube video. Trained, and they they just hear what they hear every once in a while in the news, and they think, oh, you know, these scientists just don't know what's going on. That's more of a, a popular kind of populist problem. Right. Where people who are educated in the sciences and who are paying attention to, they know that there's there's always a whittling down of what we actually know to be the truth, what are facts and what's not, what have we found, what have we not found. You know, for a while there, everybody believed, like I said at the beginning of the the, the podcast, that the sun went around the earth because that's what science knew and we whittled down and got to geoheliocentrism which is kind of a combination of the two and then eventually realized you know more people accepted the idea of the earth going around the sun which is what it actually is earth is still flat though yes exactly <laughs> well, excellent well let me see that must bring us to the lightning round. Lightning round! The lightning round, in which Greg and I this week get a minute and a half—that's ninety seconds—to answer uh, to fill in the blanks of many headline thingies as possible. Or at least we think we're their headline thingies. Who knows? Donna put it together this week, so they may be like anagrams or something. <laughs> I am dyslexic. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's why I have the trouble actually reading out loud. Oh. I did not know that. Yeah. Round! Okay, are we ready? Alright, Donna's going to run it. Um, and I guess Greg's going to go first. Because he's never done it first. Oh, that's true. I, I've never been done it at before. Okay, time will start when I'm done with the first question. You have the time? I have the time! Okay. <laughs> Go! Oh, no. Clacklometer posted a picture of blank, which, while fake, really should be started. Um, oh, it was some magazine, uh, quack, uh, you know, stupid magazine stuff. Magazine cover. Okay. Quackometer. Methodist Hospital in San Antonio is investigating new ways of dealing with heart attacks using blank. I don't know this. Uh, Acupuncture. Stem cells. I'll give that one to Gary. Because he was right. (laughs) SCOTUS refused to hear an appeal over blank from the Ah. National Organization of Marriage allowing uh, allowing lower court's rulings to stand. Uh, Gay marriage? Campaign donation disclosure. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Hard, isn't it? Nature magazine <laughs> reports a tenfold rise in uh, retractions of scientific papers. <laughs> Yay! It has been suggested that the downward trend in child abuse is due to changes in blank rather than actual actual diminishing of child abuse. Reporting. Reporting of cases, yes. R.W. Connell posited that men have a lifelong affirmative action program called 
being a man? <laughs> Patriarchal dividend. Gotcha. Isn't that sex? A judge said that Pennsylvania House members have blank in passing so no, such non-such binding measures such as you're of the Bible. I don't understand the question. A judge said that P- Pennsylvania House members have blank in passing in regards to passing non-binding measures such as you're of the Bible. Acted okay? Absolute legislative immunity. Okay. Fuckers. I was going to answer about butter on the button sticking out the window, but <laughs> that's too a little too close to home with Pennsylvania politicians. That was three right, four wrong, and <laughs> Gary starts off with one in the. Yeah, I have a I have a mulligan. So <laughs> if there's a tie, on the. Re- re- thank you. Reset. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Children from eight months to eight years of age are exposed to over four hours a day of what? Secondhand TV. This country's higher education and research ministry saw an increase in their annual budget of 2.2%. France. Scientists are looking to blank for new innovations in scar reduction methods. Uh, uh, troglodytes. A mouse. Is it a mouse? Yes. An trium has the distinction of being the first blank element. A uh, man-made fictitious element. Synthetically developed. I will give it to you. New York Times profiles Nakula Basi. Nakula, the man behind the blank movie. Uh, innocence of Muslims. <laughs> Words like spot on, cheeky, chat up, and sell by date are examples of what... Britishization of the English language in America. <laughs> Tiffany Collips, a teacher accused of having sex with her students, says she is the victim in this situation because why? She did not give consent to have them uh, film her. Jamie Hilton's stomach was used as a blank after a fall which resulted in severe pain. It bangs. kept her uh, incubator thingy for her skull cap. Storage Good. device? Yeah. FARS, an independent news source with close ties to the government of Iran, published results from a poll featured on the parody website. Onion. That was hilarious. And that's. With that's your one, you have a total of nine. Woohoo! Well, I got one of his. So true. that offsets each other. Yes, yeah, true. Yes. Yeah, they, they cancel each other out. Yeah. So now, uh, you want to read the quiz? You, you never get to read them, I Gary, so why don't you quiz? Okay. Done. All you have to do is press start there. Do you want the dinger? Oh, that's probably a good idea. <clears throat> this is so exciting. <laughs> uh, oh, done. All right. Ready? Ready? Ready. Here we go. Blank recently hired a house healer to purge his Los Simon Angeles Cowell. Dozens of weight loss and immune system supplements on the market are blank and lack the recommended type of scientific evidence uh, to back up their health Wrongly plans. labeled... Donna received spam this Dr. week. Dr. Hagenwoo. <laughs> God. I took one from every. George H.W. Bush, judicial appointee, rejects Catholic business owners' religious exemption claim in regards to... Obama birth control stuff. <laughs> Legislation. 
BDSM enthusiasts are worried that blank is giving the practice. Fifty Shades of Grey. In 2008, Todd Aiken claimed that abortions were being provided to... Women who aren't pregnant. John Stewart sat down with Noel Nick Poor to talk about this group that is scamming American rights. Scientists. By not blank, Connecticut State Supreme Court decided that a mentally retarded female didn't expressly commit her desire. Not By not thing. kicking and screaming, she... Didn't, she consented. Blank books were banned in public schools during the 2011-2012. And it was Texas, and I misread the question. Uh, see? Blank believes that Romney's behind in the polls now to prove a miracle from God when he wins the election next month. Uh, it was Glenn Beck. Yeah. Spelled his name wrong. Oh, well. Uh, was it? Luna, Triton, and Q all have the distinction of... Being storms for the upcoming year. There you go. Well, she, she blew us out of the water. Eleven correct. Yeah, although, yeah, it should have just been ten. That's fine. <laughs> that was good. Very good, Donna. That was the lightning round. Yeah, so Greg, how is it, how is it to be on the, the receiving bottom. end this time? How does it feel to be the bottom? <laughs> Bing, really? <laughs> You're a little bit uh, a little confused. <laughs> well, he's still reading that Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Forty-eight shades of gray. One shade of gray. <laughs> nice. You don't think it's nice? You don't think it's not nice that it's nice to be not nice? <laughs> Okay, so Greg's a magic eight ball. You can ask him anything. I want to see him say the answer. It's cloudy. Ask again with that. Bing. Oh, he's searching. He's trying. <laughs> well, this is this is brilliant radio. Oh, she doesn't like that. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a cat. <laughs> Greg just uh, turned it around to show me that it had the word cat <laughs> scrawled across the button. Cat. Cat. And now, number one, a cat. A cat. Cat. And now, number two, the larch. The larch. That one's El that one goes out gato. to El Grande Vato. Gato. Gato. Vato? <laughs> Vato is something completely different. Yes. All right, our, both our uh, Monty Python uh, listeners and all our Spanish speakers out there. El Grande Vato! <laughs> Did you record that one? Because that sounds... No, mine is more of a Barney Rubble giggle. <laughs> I, I was thinking more Pillsbury Doughboy. But <laughs> well, that's just... <laughs> Huh. Proved you wrong. Yep. I got both of you at least once tonight. Got you on the Wilhelm scream and 
and I'm sorry, but you just you just don't know your Pillsbury Pillsbury Doughboy sounds. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week, everybody. We will yes. see you next week. Next week and next Saturday for those who are in the San Antonio, Texas area. October 13th, 2012. At 7 p.m., Greg and I will be doing music stuff. Hopefully. At Big Bob's Burgers in yeah. San Antonio, Texas. On yep. Hildebrand. Good burgers, too. Yep. Kind of, they're good grease burgers. Yeah, I mean, when you have to drive home and the you can see through the bag that's a good burger that's a good burger yeah i can't i've discovered i can't eat one before i do the cake <laughs> okay well we'll see you all guys next week next week bye 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 we're done with that gary oh curse the luck the skeptic wire podcast theme music is by oscar lawn with guest mandolin by greg perrine if you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Chrysalis. Chryslers. <laughs> Peugeots. Peugeots. Snobmobiles. The Edsel. Um. <laughs> Ow! Mother pus bucket. That's going on the end. <laughs> <laughs> And the flowers are still standing. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Ah, yeah. I need to watch that again. Well, first, mm-hmm. first I need to I need to watch um, Idiocracy.